Welcome into the Celtics Life Podcast. We are here with all kinds of doldrums news as we're still a few weeks from the start of the preseason. We found the highlights of the past week or so and Justin Quinn and I are here to break it down. I'm Topher Lane. Hey Justin, how are you coping with arguably the worst part of the year for basketball fans? Well, the outside non-basketball world has kept me rather busy. I've got family in Florida and the Carolinas, both of whom saw a fair amount of those recent storms coming through. And on top of that, I am teaching and the storm, I teach for the University of Florida, so we were we were significantly affected by it. So I've been keeping busy. Yeah, more so than probably... A lot of other people, uh, with, with all these storms and stuff, it's just like, especially since you're being hit so personally and, and with all the stuff going on, I'm sure that's that's got to be a little tough. Well, no tougher than what's going on for a lot of other people and quite honestly, a lot less tough. So mm-hmm. thoughts for those people out there still dealing with the hurricane, the other hurricane, the wildfires. There's there's a lot of other stuff going on that's, you know, not basketball and to, let's be honest, a lot more important. So Yes, absolutely. Regarding basketball stuff we were hit with isaiah thomas's player tribune article that he posted earlier this week or last week i think um what were your thoughts on on seeing that that article well to try to make a terrible attempt at a segue that could have hit us like a hurricane but really it was more like kind of a nice handshake and side hug goodbye it was a very emotional piece in a lot of ways, something that I think really portrayed Isaiah's voice and everything that he's kind of been for the Celtics franchise over the last three years that he's been in Boston. It, it, the highlights, I think, would be where it started. It was such a great story of how it started and how he kind of learned about this trade and then what it means to him. But it started with the phone call that Danny Ainge yeah, made it really. To. It really felt honest the way he discussed that. That's one of the reasons why I liked it is because while while it was friendly to Boston fans, it wasn't, you know, there was some very sly barbs, even even in that, even more so than in, than in the presser, which we'll talk about in, in a second. But just the fact that the way he was talking about how there's just sometimes phone calls, you get the phone call and you get the information and you're done. You checked out. You got the information. You don't want to deal with the emotional side of the phone call because it's just too much to deal mm-hmm. with. And I have definitely been there, you know? I think most of us have. Yeah, and especially because it started so casually, it seems like, based on how he portrays it. Of like, It was a conversation like, oh, hey, how's your family? What are you up to? How's your vacation? Stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, Danny's just like, oh, hey, I just traded you. And then it's just, I mean, I, I, we were not, we're not in that position, you know, we don't know what that's like to have that happen. Like we're in careers where you're not just going to be like traded somewhere completely different and have to pick up your life and move. So like, we don't understand that, but that just has to be so tough to just hear from. Well, it's almost like getting laid off and I definitely understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So it is it, that, that you just in the beginning, you felt that emotion. Then he tells his kids and his kids have their reactions, which was. You know, you got the one kid who's saying, oh, you're going to play alongside LeBron James. That's awesome. You're going to be with the best basketball player of this century. And But I don't know if there's going to be skate parks. Yeah, and then I don't know if there's going to be skate It's just these two kind of dichotomies of how they look at the, the trade. So it, it really showed how much he cared about Boston, which I really appreciated, and, like, what Boston meant to him. And even even the fans, too, just, like, everything that, that we were able to contribute to to his time here by just being there for him when – when China died in that car accident, his sister, 
and everything that really happened over the past three years where he's brought the Celtics back from being in this rebuilding mode where there there was little to no hope for playoff success for a future within the next couple of years and suddenly we're back in the picture we're back in a contender conversation only in a lot of part because of Isaiah Thomas in a very large part because of Isaiah Thomas almost almost entirely in my opinion I mean once Horford arrived it started to change the dynamic but before before that stuff started happening it really was you know he, he short-circuited the entire rebuild more or less and in a good way, you know, I'm not complaining and by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe Boston would have been better if it had another higher pick another year. But let's be honest, the the last two years with him on the team have been magical. And that was not something I was expecting. I was looking forward, not looking forward, that's really the wrong way to put it. But I was expecting, you know, three or four more years of drudgery, not two more years of entertaining basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even if you look at just the, the accolades that he racked up, or the almost accolades, I should say, his first season or his first half season, he almost got six men of the year. His second season, he got his first all-star bid. This season, he was in the MVP conversation. I think he was top five in voting, right? Yes, he was. So, I mean, just the success that he had in the court translated to across the league in terms of recognition, and also just brought... And Josh talked about it when, when he and I were talking on the podcast a couple weeks ago, that he just made Josh he made it more fun for Celtics fans in a time where really we were turning our eyes to the Patriots, to the Red Sox, to the Bruins, and you know, and, and all these other teams struggling. The Bruins have been kind of back and forth uh, in similar situations the Celtics have been dealing with, but you know, the Red Sox have been doing all right, and the Patriots obviously won Super Bowl last season. So we've been turning our eyes to our other teams and. Isaiah Thomas brought the Celtics back to the forefront of Boston sports fans' minds. Let's be fair. You know, the the Players' Tribune piece did have a little... You could, you could kind of sense that even though everybody's being professional, there were, there were definitely some hurt feelings. And those hurt feelings, whether it was, you know, marketing, putting on a show or whatever, they really did come through a lot more strongly at the Cavs presser. Did you catch mm-hmm. that at all? Yeah, and I, I do want to say in his article, too, I mean, he's optimistic about how well the Cavs are going to do. I don't know if optimism is the right word, but he is confident in how the Cavs are going to do and what he'll do with the Cavaliers. So that also comes to when he's going to be playing the Celtics, which will be tough for him for sure because it's the team that, that he's revitalized his career with and that he's going to have to probably play in the Eastern Conference Finals or sometime in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And that's going to be really tough. So then you move to the the presser and him saying, you know, we helped build that and all that stuff, things of that nature. And, you know, it's just it's tough to see as a fan. It is. I mean, I want him to succeed. I want to see Jay Crowder succeed. It really stinks, you know, and we're going to be saying this probably for a long time. So apologize if if we're being redundant, but, you know, this caught a lot of us off guard. And now that chip on his shoulder, that chip on Jay's shoulder is going to be in particular directed at the Boston Celtics, which is going to be a little bit of a it's going to be it's going to be hard to deal with. Yeah, and I, I mean, I was, they were my two favorite players outside of Jordan Mickey, which all of you have heard from time, like all the time that I said it. But 
I've got an Isaiah Thomas jersey. I've got a Jay Crowder jersey now. You know, and that, that's really crummy for me because I, I really I loved Jay since he played for Marquette in college and kind of followed him to the Mavericks. And I was the one who was really excited about that part of the trade for the Rondo trade. Everyone was really pumped up Brandon Wright. And I was like, no, Jay Crowder could be the guy who really pans out in this. I didn't expect everyone else to get shelled off because I, I don't even remember who the third guy was. But Jay was the one that I, I was really excited about. And I got that jersey pretty quickly after that. And then he's the one who really lasted and who made such a big impact in the last three years. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's really going to be sad to see both of them do well. And I'm, I'm confident that they will do well in Cleveland, especially Jay. And once Isaiah returns from his injury, I'm hopeful that, that he'll be back. But that's something that, it, and you and I had talked about it earlier, the Cavs presser, there was no, like, welcome, you know? It, it wasn't a press conference where, like, oh, what do you think you're going to bring to Cleveland? It was, what's going on with your hip, man? And I know that's a concern, but still, I, that that felt just so wrong to me that there was hardly anything, even with Jay's mom. Jay's mom died, like, minutes after he told her he was traded. And it, it just, it's so tough for me that, yeah, that nobody, that nobody, none of the press did that. No, None of the journalists were like, oh, sorry about your mom, Jay. Or, you know, what? we're really happy to have you guys here. What do you think you're going to bring? You know, how do you think you're going to fit? Like, there wasn't the basketball questions. It was exclusively talking about Isaiah's hip, which I feel like is really tough for him right now. Yeah, David Griffin, the former GM, took a dig at Kobe Altman saying that he was he would have issued a press release in advance not to ask about any of those questions, which was fair. You know, it would have been, it would have been good, and I think it would have changed the tone a little bit. I mean, most of the reason people were showing up in the first place were to ask that question, but they still, they would, they would have shown up and they would have asked other questions and probably someone would have asked the wrong question, but hey, you could at least kind of change the, the feel of it. I think that, uh, I think that what you're talking about though really says volumes about the organization in general. They, the Celtics or the, the Cavs? Cavs the, the Cavs under, under uh, Dan Gilbert have really been a superficial organization in which, you know, when things are going good, everything is good, and you don't have to worry about what's below the surface. But it's pretty clear that things are always chaotic and always problematic beneath the surface. They, they go through general managers, like even really good ones like David Griffin, as if they are the most expendable of options out there. And really, they're not. I mean, if you want to have... You know any kind of like long-term relationships with the other teams out there you really can't conduct yourself the way Kobe Altman did and I'm not going to put it all on him because I do believe that a lot of that has to do with the owner well well go ahead now because I mean it's I agree and and you and I talked about it before of this franchise and I, I think superficial is a great way to describe it because Right now, they've had LeBron James. They've gone to three straight finals. And, I mean, they're one for three, or one one and two. one Yeah, records, sports stuff. They're, they, they've won one of the championships, right? Well, no, I, I was just trying to figure out, are they one and two? One and two in the champion the finals? One, four, three? It's, it's whether it's baseball or basketball of how you... <laughs> but, yeah, they're, they're one for three, right? And it's... You know, it's a good time to be a Cleveland fan and to, like, be in Cleveland sports for basketball. Uh, but, 
you know, again, there's there's these things that just kind of underlie, and it seems like there's chemistry issues. Seems like you wouldn't have a guy who's trying to get out of a of a team like Kyrie Irving when everything is as copacetic as they're making it seem to be. Like I know that he has had his issues, and that they're at least slightly resolved now of being LeBron James' shadow or something. But still, th- there shouldn't be these issues, you know. If if everything is great, it shouldn't Follow be there. The money. When I say follow the money, I'm referring to the potentially monumental tax bill that the Cavs are facing. And while I may not dis- I may not like Dan Gilbert as as a as a general manager, but as a business person, he's not an idiot. And I think he realizes that with LeBron, he's going to pay a lot of money to not win championships. It's just not going to happen. He doesn't have the resources or the picks or the team building tools he needs to pivot and rebuild around an aging LeBron. So he has been kind of just, you know, slowly doing everything he can to prevent adding more salary, you know, axing Griffin before the Jimmy Butler trade ended up happening and putting more years on his payroll and more more tax on his repeater tax. So I kind of feel like Isaiah is still getting the short end of the stick, even though he has a chance to play with arguably the best player in the game. He is doing so in a manner that is all an act. It's all play acting, and everybody knows, and nobody can really talk about it because they're all being professionals. But, you know, I mean, I know the hip is, is obviously a damper on what people are going to be saying and, and how that presser went, but there is that looming what the hell is actually going on with this team anyway? Can you really even compete for a championship with a big axe hanging over your head the whole time? I don't really Yeah, and that, that definitely has an effect. And this, this move turns a long contract in Kyrie Irving, not a bad contract, but a long contract, into a bunch of deals that will be off the books in a year. If LeBron bails, yep. suddenly they're out of the luxury and they're fine because they don't have to to spend all this money long term because LeBron's deal will be gone if he leaves Isaiah's deal they won't have to extend him or or even have negotiations if they don't want to and then you've got Jay who's on a ridiculously cheap contract and a bunch of other guys who they'll have to figure it out like Tristan Thompson who's who's locked up to a ton of money but you know I mean this is a deal that opens that up with that being said do you think even Isaiah plays this season? I mean, the reports are continuing to kind of roll out that this is much more serious, this hip injury, than what we were initially led to believe, and that maybe basketball fans don't even know about. He may have really screwed himself by not getting the surgery as soon as he possibly could have. I understand why he did it, because it significantly raised the chances of not being able to return to previous form. I mean, it's still like a... From what I understand, I've, I've done a fair amount of reading on what we think, you know, the labrum, the labrum situation. If that is what the problem is, getting surgery gives him like a 20 to 30 percent chance of, of coming back diminished, which, you know, that's that's a pretty big chance. And so I get it. But at the same token, he might still end up needing surgery now and he's coming up on a contract year. Which is a really bad thing to come up and come into collision with each other. It's really, it's really unfortunate because he was. It's amazing how quickly this has turned around from him saying, "I'm expecting the Celtics to bring out the Brinks trucks," and that he was going to get this max deal, to suddenly that he's in a contract year that he may. I, you know, I can't see a way that any team is going to be willing to 
risk a max deal on him unless he comes back and is even more explosive or, or comparably as explosive as he was with the Celtics this past season, you know? It's important to keep in mind, too, that the, the cap landscape is very impinged by the overspending last summer. Not this, not the one we just got out of, basically, mm-hmm. but the, the summer of 2016. Yeah, the one where Mike Conley got the max deal and, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and everybody was just getting money from everywhere. And, and now really good players are just not even getting more than like qualifying offers for big men, for example. And, you know, Kyle Lowry was desperate to get out of Toronto and there was just nowhere for him to go. And he, you know, for all his injury issues is probably considerably more sturdy than Isaiah is anticipated to be this coming season in terms of the number of games he'll probably be on the floor. And he couldn't even find somebody to give him a full max contract apart from, you know, Toronto who had to either use the cap space or Mm -hmm. lose it. How do you think this affects Cleveland's season? The fact that uh, that he may not be healthy. I mean, it, in part, we'll we'll get to his contract stuff later. But like, how do you think this affects the season? How important do you think he is to the Cavs' success? Considering they just traded away their second best player in Kyrie Irving. Well, with Calderon and Derrick Rose, they can survive with LeBron. You know, doing a lot of the passing and distribution at the elbow. They'll be okay for the regular season. They will need his depth for the playoffs. And, you know, to finally answer the question, I think you answered, you asked me two questions ago. I think that they can, they should have him off the floor for most of the season, rehabbing as much as possible. And not really take the floor until sometime after the All Star break when he is in full, shell, full health and full basketball shape. Not to try to, you know, get back into it on the fly and risk re injuring something. Just go all in on himself, heal, and, you know, this isn't what I want to deal with as a Celtics fan, but to be in the best possible position for the postseason. And I I, I think that the Cavs, well, so I guess, I guess let's look at the landscape then of the Wizards and the Raptors were knocking on the door last season. And, and the Wizards had a... I think they will this season too. What? I think they will this season too. I think that they, neither team has gotten substantial. I think I can't actually either with maybe. I you know, I'll take that back. Even Washington, uh, Gortat has gotten worse. Um, Marcin Gortat in the front court, but I do think that Otto Porter is going to take enough of a step forward. Not a huge one, but enough of one where it won't be. It'll it'll mostly cancel itself out. So, well. And, and this is the question, because the Wizards had, I think, historically one of the worst starts in their they franchise history last season. They won't again. Sorry? That was an anomaly. So, yeah. So, they, they, they start they start better. That's going to net them, like, an additional, like, based on their starting record, I would say at least 10 wins. Do you think they're as good? Because what they finished, what, like, 48 and... 48 wins, I think. I think so, 10 wins is probably a, a little bit high, but I would say 5 or 6 like, is fair. They started like 2-18. and 18. No, I mean for the, throughout the whole season. I think the yeah, losses no, will still happen. They'll just become a little bit more spread out and not all at once in the beginning of the season, so you think it's going to be a, a, a complete shitting of the bed for the season out the gate. I think that they will be slightly better than last season. I, I, I see them where the Celtics 
for last season, he was like three or four games, maybe five or six games before they, they mesh well early, step forward. So, well, so my perspective is that the Wizards and the Raptors did not improve in the offseason. But they didn't get worse either, in my opinion, and the rest of the East did yes, get a lot worse. Yes, and so that's, that's something to look at, but I, I just don't think that they got any better. And I, I think that the, the Wizards will based on wins be better because they just can't be as bad as they were at the start of the season but exactly is there is there a chance that the Wizards or the Raptors will be better than the Cavs and or the Celtics with these trades and these no. these things why do you say no Early in the season, before the All-Star break, yeah, sure, fine. I could see both of these teams, the Celtics and the Cavs, are going to need some time to figure out their new situation. The roster turnover for the Celtics has been huge, and the point guard situation is going to need a lot of work with the Cavs. So both may lose more games than they should coming out of the gate, particularly with the fact that with the Cavs in particular, they're going to be saving their energy for the playoffs in the latter part of the season. So, yeah, I could see them jumping out to an early lead, but I, I don't anticipate by the time the season's over, and certainly not by the time the playoffs are over, they're going to be doing better. I I wouldn't be surprised to see a small shuffle. What, what I guess, what's what's your hierarchy of, of one to four seeds? Where do each team fall? That is hard to say, but we'll just say full health, everyone, um, as soon as physically possible, you know, we'll, we'll just say magically Isaiah's hip is good enough to be playing in games by November, which is a wildly um, optimistic prediction in my opinion. No, I would say I would say assume All Star break return. I would say assume like February, middle of February, Isaiah Thomas comes back. Okay, if, we're, if we'll go with that, then I would say the Celtics and the Cavs are too close. It's a, to a coin toss. It really depends on how. How LeBron plays throughout the season, if he starts to show any signs of age or not. If he doesn't, I'll give the Cavs the edge. If he does, I'll give the Celtics the edge. So I'll, I'll put them in a tentative tie. I know that's kind of a cop-out, but it's really it's really just too many factors to really be able to judge it at this point. Very close. And then I would say Washington seems like it's on the upswing with the core that they have. I feel like they're going to stay in this area, particularly as Beal starts to find his game and hopefully stays healthy. I see them as the next tier down from, from those two next season, this coming season. And Toronto is kind of just trying to, you know, bail water on a, a sinking ship. They really do need to do a rebuild, but they haven't really committed to it. At least that's I my wouldn't be surprised if the Wizards were the one seed coming out of the East this year. Oh, I wouldn't be, like, in terms of the Celtics last season, sure. I, and, and here's... My rationale is that the Cavaliers had, I think, their worst season since LeBron James returned with, I think, 52 wins. That was with Kyrie Irving for basically the entire year. You're going to get rid of him, replace him with Derrick Rose and Jose Calderon for the first half of the season, and then look at... I mean. It, the Cavs were 0-10 without LeBron James. 0-10. And that was with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love as their, their like two go-to guys. 
Let's be fair. Some of those games were at the end of the season and were intentional rest. Sure. Yeah, I know. That's true. But, but still, I mean, this is the team that, that can't win without stars. They, they just can't. They're not they're, they're not built. I don't know if it's the coaching or, or the structure or the depth or whatever it is, but they just can't win without stars. And you're basically, when LeBron is resting, you have Kevin Love as your star player. And we saw what happened with Minnesota. That was not a recipe for success. The Cavaliers, I would not be surprised to see as the three seed with all these injuries no, I wouldn't and the need either. rest. I mean, LeBron rested something like 10 and games last year. the fact that they just year. don't care about that the regular too. season. That too, and that's, that's also an, uh, that's something as well. And, and that's that's why we're talking about regular season seeding and not postseason success because I'm sure we'll see the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals again as a minimum is what I would expect. But regular season, the Wizards, they've got the continuity of last season and the success that they built from really game 20 onward. And then you have... The Raptors, who I think will be just equally as good as they were last season. So I see I see them as a four or maybe a three seed. So everything that you said makes perfect sense to me. But it's it's really it's confusing my brain in terms of how people are on one hand pointing out how Kyrie Irving is going to be such a big boost. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to get at is the Celtics are the question mark of the four because with 11 guys from last season being gone with four returning players, we're going to be relying a lot on our new stars. And I put that in, in air quotes. So how does Kyrie Irving fit into the scheme of this team? And then past that, how does he fit in in a long-term scale. Is this a guy that we want to extend? Is this a guy that you see being a cornerstone of the Celtics franchise for the foreseeable future? Uh, it really depends on how he adapts. He's going to have to change how he plays. He can't be Mr. Iso playing for Brad Stevens. That's just not going to work. And if it doesn't, if, if he's being told to play, I mean, did he come here because he wants to play a different way or is he just coming to the best possible situation he thinks he can become the new boss of? Does he think he can kind of become a LeBron James kind of, you know, general manager slash coach on the floor? That's not going to fly. I, that wouldn't fly in Boston. I mean, maybe maybe in Cleveland. And, I mean, it didn't really fly in, in Miami because there were, I mean, we've heard rumors that he, like, wanted Spogon and stuff like that. And he didn't really have much to do in in Miami as far as like the moves and things like that. I mean, the, the player personnel and stuff, he had some say seemingly, but nothing like he's got in Cleveland where he basically, I think forced David Blatt out and then has kind of dictated what the front office does as far as, as players go. He wanted Tristan Thompson. So Tristan Thompson got an insane deal that he wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. So I, I Boston that wouldn't fly regardless of who you are. And so Kyrie can't be kind of the player GM that LeBron is and I, I don't know if he's seeking that and again this this comes down to I mean he was saying oh I, I liked Boston and stuff like that but he didn't have a choice in this this is what the, the best trade was for the Cavs so he's put in this situation with I think a significantly better coach and a better all-around supporting cast can he be a franchise player with this this team yes or no well the way that they're looking to be building this team and I mean for one thing his age is a big clue that that is the plan you know they wouldn't have pulled the trigger on a deal for 
say Chris Paul, I don't think, even if it came at a lower cost, just because he doesn't really fit in terms of the age profile of most of the team, though that's getting harder to say at this point because we have, what, four guys coming back? So in my mind, in terms of how they're looking at him, that is the plan. And in terms of X's and O's, you know, the Cavs, they're, they're a very ISO-friendly team with him and LeBron being on them, maybe the most ISO-friendly team in the league. And that can still be a part of Kyrie's game. You know, he'll have more space to, to do that, but it, it can't be, you know, he's going to be expected to be more mobile with the ball, and it's going to have to be something that is more of a team game so ISO will still have a place in certain situations, but I mean, speaking of Chris Paul, he can't be pounding the ball into the dust for the entire shot clock either. That's not mm-hmm. going to fly. Well, and, and Brad Stevens' system is one of much more ball movement, and and there's wait. now a lot more, and it, it will be interesting to see how the rookies pan out and how how everyone else pans out. But at least as it stands now, there's there's more of a scoring threat across the roster, which was not true for Isaiah who had to almost single-handedly be our go-to scorer most games. And there would be games where Avery Bradley would step up and, and games where Jay would be hot or something like that, but never someone that was a constant threat like Gordon Hayward will be, uh, Kyrie Irving will be, and you know then hopefully some of these rookies might be. So it's a different situation than what Isaiah had, but I, I, could, I could see him being, if he can take the leaps that the Celtics need him to, mostly on defense and, and the areas that he's lacking. And his his ability to distribute more than just be a guy who is an incredible finisher, which he'll obviously rely on, but also add in that he's going to be doubled. He's going to be getting a little bit more defensive focus, open up the lane for someone else, Al Horford, who can then score, or even the, the centers that we got, Baines, Morris, guys that, that may need a little bit more space to, to score in the, in the paint. Or that he can dish it out to a guy on the wing, whether it's Gordon, whether it's Horford, who's stretching the floor, I don't know. But there's going to be so many options that I think he can bring to this that Isaiah couldn't because there just wasn't the team around him to make it work. I am really excited to see preseason, and I have not said that for a very long time. I'm, I'm always interested in seeing how the Celtics are going to look. And, I, you know, I don't expect, you know, the starters to see too many minutes, not normal minutes, but I'm really curious to get the first inklings of how Brad is going to be running this new squad so I have a question for you. Shoot. Would you say that the Celtics once again are in a new big three era? It's with the way that it compares to other big threes. It's I guess it's hard to say. Cause well, let's go back to the first one. We had Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett. Is there, uh, of the three of them, is there someone who you would say is of a similar stature to, in my mind, that would be the, the lowest of the three would be Ray Allen. No offense yeah. to Ray Allen, I'm a huge UConn fan, but in my mind that would be, you know, his analog, not positionally, but in terms of talent, would be at the level of Al Horford, which, you know, is not a knock on either. Both are likely Hall of Fame uh, players, so... Yeah. The other two guys are clearly in both situations also potential Hall of Fame candidates, likely Hall of Fame candidates, let's be honest. And I don't know if Gordon Hayward 
and Kyrie Irving are going to rise to that level. I think it's way too early for that. Obviously, what they've done so far isn't at that level even close to. But, you know, get a ring or two. We can I talk. guess I would like to see how it shakes out. Because I think on paper, I'm not sure if this qualifies as a big three for me yet. And, well, so, and I'll compare this to the Spurs of Tim Duncan, um, Tony Parker. I will say, remember how old yeah. they are. Remember how old yeah. they are. Yeah, and so that that's the comparison that I want to put it out of. Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. I think their last championship, they, on paper, wouldn't qualify as a big three, but because of the coaching and the system that they were in, they were just so effective together. Ooh. And so I, like that I think that this team is very similar in that sense, that however the system kind of meshes together and, and assuming that it does, yes, this is a big three and this is a new big three era that will hopefully see a lot of success in the postseason and hopefully another Larry O'Brien trophy being hoisted in Boston. But that entirely depends on how they look in October when the season starts, you know, and that's something that... I still don't know how that's going to look, and it entirely depends on, on how the coaching works out and how they play alongside each other, and I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic, and I think this is actually the biggest optimism that I've had that I've had for this team since the 2007 team, 2008 team, since those, those since this, this was built, you know, the, the last big three that, that Boston saw. So, speaking of the last big three that Boston saw... Yay! It seems like my least favorite Celtics controversy might finally be starting to yep. die. Paul Pierce. And I, I <laughs> yeah, Paul Pierce finally buried the hatchet with Ray. He's the first, the first of the, of the, whatever it is. It's, it's starting to crumble. This, this hatred towards coming. Ray Allen. I think we all did. It's, it really seems like, like Pierce has been the most vocal towards wanting to get that behind them. Yeah. Do you think, th- I guess, so run us through how this happened and like what what it was an Instagram post. Paul Pierce posted this Instagram post. Yeah, he posted an Instagram post. Okay, so he'd been in China harassing Brandon Jennings, which I thought was totally hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and there was a celebrity basketball tournament in which he and Ray Allen both participated. And you know we don't know the backstory. I'm sure we'll hear it sooner or later, but. They, for whatever reason, have decided to put this behind them, probably because it is dumb and needs to just die. Like, I've come to terms being, you know, the biggest UConn homer on the planet, quite possibly, that Ray Allen didn't do his due diligence with his teammates, with the people who he had that bond with, as was, you know, smashed into our heads repeatedly in the Area 21 segment, which, you know, I appreciated, but I, I'm just, I'm so over this. Do you think that other guys, do you think Garnett follows suit? Do you think that that, I know Rondo is probably the least likely to, to cave. Rondo's not. R- not. Just give up on but Rondo. Do you think, That's okay. They can do you think be on the suit? opposite ends of the pictures and not talk to each other. I think KG Garnett will come suit? around. I think so. Do you think it's going to be an Instagram post? I think it'll take him longer, but you think it's going to be an Instagram post? If they're smart, it'll be something like that. I mean, if it's just something that we hear about and and we don't have media coverage on, then I'll be very sad. I want to hear. I want to see. I want to know. Yeah. Well, I, I, and I'm on your side, you know, I mean, something that 
I'm glad is is kind of finally starting to cave and and that it's it's finally moving that direction because I, I liked Ray Allen and I mean I was infuriated when he hit that corner three that really sealed the the championship for the heat that 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 made me really angry in game six against the Spurs but after that I've, I've kind of come to terms with it and I've, I've accepted Ray I and I'm glad they're not retiring his jersey or at least that that doesn't seem like an issue with Gordon Hayward doing that I didn't think he wasn't there long but, enough he didn't I mean you know on some teams sure yeah. but this is the Boston Celtics one ring is not enough to get yeah. you number retired i mean in the case of pierce that's different he was there for the entire worst period of celtics fandom ever with us didn't leave almost did according to rumors but didn't and you know as much as loyalty may be overrated it's still valuable to fans which is why i don't give anybody any crap for hating on ray as a fan for going to miami that is your own personal opinion about Ray Allen based on your loyalties as a fan, which is not the same thing for these guys who it's a job. I don't like those guys who go to that situation, though. The Bogates, the Larry Sanders of the last season, and then, you know, the guys who just go to whichever team, Zaza Pachulia. I'm fine with it. It's a the, job, man. The guys and, who and you know what? That. Once you, once you I, have yeah, but... enough money to live on for the rest of your life, everything else after that is just a pat on the back and ego gratification. So whatever the hell they want to do, God bless. Those guys are not going for a job. They're going for an exactly. easy way to get a ring. That's that's, but that's not winning. That's not. I, I and maybe I just feel like you have to build your team. You know, it's like, it's a really like, make something more. It's like I mean, Kevin Durant. Yeah, you know what? That's are that's. Are you fine. saying it's a participation trophy? For those guys, I think it is. For guys like Zaza, yeah, it is. Yeah, and you know what? They know that, but let's let's also be completely honest. Anybody who is good enough to latch on to an NBA team that is a very likely title contender has already achieved enough in life that let's let's be honest they don't care yeah fine about, about that stigma they don't we might but yeah. they don't well on the other end of the spectrum Celtics who have not been significantly making differences uh, James Young <laughs> is oh, <laughs> yeah there's there's James your segue. Young. There's your segue. Thomas James Thomas Young Thomas has signed well with the Milwaukee Bucks, and Tyler Zeller has signed with the Brooklyn Nets, and Jared Sollinger is headed to China. So this segues in a lot of ways because that's where Ray and and Paul are right now, or they where they were, where they buried the hatchet. So well, James Young almost James Young, excuse me, Ray Allen almost got traded to the Bucks, and that's what ended up setting all that in motion in the first place. Yep. Speaking of, there's all the segues. Yeah, check that out. So yeah, there's there's our man, former Celtics. Just, like that was a meta segue, there's, man. Impressive. <laughs> there's our former Celtics that are doing things, going places. Any? Do you think? I guess we'll start with James Young. He had a stint with the Pelicans during summer league and, and that's stuff a training like that. camp, so injury, I, right? Yeah, it's not it's not a full guaranteed contract, and he's not on the active roster. Well, don't forget Perry Jones the third. He just latched on, um, speaking of other former Celtics, the same team as Tony Allen. Oh, yeah. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. So they have they have a little, uh, you know, Boston Celtics in exile thing going on the same way that Doc had with the Clippers for a while. Yep. They've also got Etuan Moore and they've got one other Celtic over there. I can't remember. Are we talking New Orleans? Because Rondo's there. Rondo, yes. Thank you. How did I forget that? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, so James Young with the Bucks, uh, who was the Pelicans. So the Pelicans dragged him through summer league. And do you think he makes the roster, James Young with the Bucks? 
There's not a lot I of think depth that, on that he team. he could provide some some shooting uh, on their their you know their deep rotation. I I don't think that he is going to be in any way a priority for them, but he would not be a bad bad addition. I'm actually surprised he didn't stick with the Pelicans because they have absolutely no wings. Yep. I mean, he's better than their best wing, and that is not really saying much. Yeah. Well, also the inconsistency is consistent Fair. James Young is better than their best wing. Fair. No, you're right. Every day James Young is just the most confusing basketball player you'll ever meet. So, there's a difference. And then Zeller to Brooklyn. I liked Zeller. I did. You know, I mean, I know he didn't fit, and I didn't want him to be, like, extended or anything, but I liked Zeller. He's a good, professional, capable player who can rebound if he can find time on the floor. He has to find time on the floor, though. His defense... And his, his, you know, he's just a slow plodding dinosaur of a big man that the game doesn't have space for anymore. So at best, he's like a second unit guy. He's probably closer to a deep rotation guy. At this Who's point. the better Zeller, Cody or Tyler? Uh, Cody, just because he can move laterally better and defend better. So he he can actually stay on the floor in in the modern game. That's why he's been able to carve out a role. He should be he'd be taking some lessons or giving some lessons to his brother in, in terms of foot movement because that is really I mean, Tyler Tyler can run the floor, so he's, he's, you know, he'll get a little bit more time with Brooklyn, who's going to be trying to move fast. But in terms of, like, lateral motion, it's just like, it's like watching a tree try to move laterally. It, it, it doesn't. And then, uh, firstly, you responded to that very quickly. Like, you clearly knew that, or thought that Cody is, is the better Zeller. Oh, yeah, there's no question. Really? I, I actually... If you, can't stay on the, if you can't stay on the floor doesn't matter how good your traditional big skills are I, I i honestly i would easily take cody just because he's playable i mean like zeller's not a terrible basketball player it's just that he his game doesn't fit anymore and he he clogs the lane and he can't defend shooters which makes him almost useless yeah and then lastly talk about falling off the face of the earth the flat earth if you're a Kyrie irving fan Oh. Jared Selinger and also the other side of the earth. Yeah, interesting. More segues. <laughs> Jared Selinger, China, over there in China. And he, since he's been with Toronto, he, like, I don't think he played more than, like, 20 games max. Yeah, it was a small amount. I can't remember either. Then he was waived and then I think signed, like, really, really, really briefly with the Suns or something. I, or did he ever get uh, he signed He played anywhere? for Brooklyn. He tried out for Brooklyn. I don't think he ever signed for them, though. I think he was competing for the same spot that Zeller was, actually. Yes. Yeah, so Solinger's off to China. I'm kind of hoping he has, like, a... Starberry? Uh, what's his name? The Jared... No, the the dude who's who's killing it over there. The one who was who played for BYU. Oh, Jimmer. Yeah. Jimmer. Jimmer Fredette. Thank you. Yeah, I hope he has, like, a Jimmer-style career over there. Because I like... I mean... He was the most aggravating guy, but you know, I mean, I, I like I like Celtics to do well, former Celtics to do well. So I, I'd like to see him kill it over in China. Yeah, I think he'll be all right career. over there. Uh, it's only for two months, if I understand. I'm not entirely, you know, I'm not an expert on the Chinese basketball scene, so it might be a rest of season contract, or I'm not entirely sure exactly what's going on with that. But it is definitely, it's a three hundred thousand two month contract you can check out an article by our Odie Wakowin I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly I've only seen your name in print Odie uh, he wrote a, he wrote a piece on that earlier so <laughs> definitely check that out 
personally, right now, I am about to put up. I just uncovered uh, an interview of Ray Allen talking about his meeting with Paul Pierce. So keep an eye out for that later today. It'll probably be actually up before the podcast ends up going up just because of when we're recording it. Um, and that's about all I can think of off the top of my head. You know, we're, we're really trying to squeeze some blood out of some stones for the first time in the entire summer, which is a nice change of pace considering everything else that's been going on. Yeah. Yeah, normally these summers are, are tough for, like, basketball news and all that stuff. So it's it's cool to have actual news, you know, with this, like, trade and all the mess of that. It, as, as aggravating and as frustrating as it was, I'm glad that it's resolved. But it still was fun to write about and have all the, the content. Lots of, lots of fun for Celtics fans in probably the worst time of the year for basketball. I have not had basketball withdrawal yet. I thought for a couple of days I was going to have it while we were waiting for the Kyrie Irving trade to either happen or not. But other than that, it's just been like something to talk about almost every day. Yeah, well, that's why I asked at the beginning of the pod. I was like, hey, man, how are you dealing with this? And, you know, it's <laughs> it's actually surprising because I haven't had much withdrawal. I, normally during the summer I, like, binge on 2K or something because I just need anything. Because yep. even college, it's not going on. And, like, there's not, like, fun college news. I mean, you and I, you and I go back yeah, and forth with our, our UConn SU stuff, but yeah, nothing, nothing too exciting during the summer. So, but yeah, definitely check out CelticsLife.com. Check out the sweet new header that we've got because it is awesome. It is really cool. You should go to the website, check that out. I think it's when did we put that up? Uh, a couple of days ago, only less than a week. And with preseason and camp, camp is only two weeks away. Preseason is only three weeks away. So if you can't yet, you should very soon be able to get the tickets to those at the top of the CelticsLife.com website under the banner that says, surprisingly, tickets. Yep. And you get sweet other stuff like shirts and hoodies that we're making. We made some really cool. It, we, we made that really cool 7-Eleven, Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum shirt, but then they changed their numbers. And we're still working on nicknames, so we could use your help with, with nicknames for the two of them. 007. Trouble 07? What, what, I like the the J's. Something J's. <laughs> There's so much potential. There's a lot to work with. I'm all over the place. But yeah, go to go to Celtics Life. Check out our headers. And also take a look for the, the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Especially if you like what you hear. You can also give us five stars. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us be seen by other basketball fans if it would convert them to Celtics fans. If you don't like something or you have a suggestion. Or you just want to ramble about nicknames. Yeah, because we could use all that stuff. Just let us know in the comments on the Celtics Life article so we post these in or on Twitter with our hashtag CLPod. We just want to bring you guys the Celtics coverage you want just the way you like it and also convert fans to Celtics basketball. Now get off yep. my lawn. Yeah, get out of here. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. <laughs> Take care, y'all. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>